This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Didn't get your picks in before the game started? No problem. You can get in the game for the second half. Sign up today using promo code FOOTBALL and get your first deposit instantly matched up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com or download the mobile app and enter code FOOTBALL to get your deposit match. Some restrictions do apply. See the website for details. Welcome back to the channel. Hope you're all keeping safe and well. Aston Villa nil, Tottenham Hotspur 4 with a Hunmin Son hat-trick. In this episode, we will be talking about Tottenham's 4-0 win at Villa Park. I've got three very special guests with me. Before I introduce them, if you don't subscribe to this channel as yet, please do hit that subscribe button. And if you are listening to this on an audio platform, do hit that follow button and leave a review if you can. Spurs stay in the top four. Manchester United lost 1-0 Everton today. Arsenal lost 2-1 to Brighton at the Emirates Stadium. Let's introduce the three very, very special guests. We've got Alex Milne back with us. Of course, he was last with us on uh, in the January transfer window. Alex is the national content editor at Express Sport. Previous roles at Sky and Love Sport Radio. Alex, how are you? Chris, what a wonderful day to be on the show, I have to say. I woke up and I thought, the sun's, the sun's blue. I mean, the, the sky is blue, the birds are singing. You know, I felt in a good mood. Um, that obviously got better with the early kickoff. I then got even better with the Arsenal game. And I thought, Spurs, just don't mess this up. Don't ruin everything for me on such a glorious day. And uh, they certainly uh, kept to their side of a bargain. So, now, nah, as Saturdays go, the only the only issue for me was that I was uh, covering the Grand National for, um, for my work. So, I missed the first song goal. And my horse fell after about three fences. But apart from that, wow. as Saturdays go, you can't really ask for much more, can you? Well, it's been the perfect day. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to um, bring on Chris Slegg, who, of course, works for BBC London, the senior reporter, also a WSL commentator, author of various books, including The Team That Dared to Do, Tottenham 1994-1995. 
And an interesting fact, Chris, that I, I learned about you, you used to work for CFAX. Of course, the younger viewers won't even know what that is. Won't even have heard of it, pre-internet. But yeah, <laughs> I loved it as well. A really great job. And I've still got a, a lot of good friends who I worked with on, on the sports desk at CFAX and uh, trying to make the headlines fit on a every Saturday for every report. Obviously, had to be a uh, word perfect, letter perfect there. But uh, yeah, what a day today. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Because looking at the results and it's, is perfect, but you still feel the, the emotion that you've been through every single emotion because there were so many times today when it didn't look like it was going to be perfect. I was convinced Arsenal were going to equalise. I mean, that first half of Villa wow. Park when you were there, Chris, you'll tell us more about it. But, I mean, yeah. how, how we've won that 4-0, how we're now sitting fourth, how it's now firmly in our hands. Uh, yeah, what a Saturday. What a Saturday indeed. We've also got Gaz with us, Anthony King, a.k.a. Gazza. Um, Gazza is the co-host of the Same Old uh, Spurs podcast. Gaz, delighted to have you on. How are you doing? Absolutely sensational, mate. Brilliant. Do you know what? The weekend started so well for me last night. Wolves with still an outside chance of getting in the top four. Yeah. To get beat. Roll into today. We know the results went our way. And Tottenham had to do their job. And they've done it fantastically. So, up the Spurs. Up the Spurs, indeed. Alex, let's start with you. Um, let's talk about today's results. Manchester United losing 1-0 to Everton. Arsenal losing 2-1 to Brighton. Now, Arsenal, of course, didn't expect to lose that game uh, in the fashion they did the other night at Crystal Palace. They certainly didn't, ex didn't expect to lose today's game. Were you surprised by the results today? I love, I love just keep saying it. Just keep saying those results. It's making me happier every time. Um <laughs> Listen, I, I I had a sneaky suspicion Everton might get something. Um, I just thought at a, at a hyped up Goodson Park, early kickoff, they, we knew that they'd be scrapping for everything. We knew how important the game was for them. And we also know just how poor United are at the moment. So that was a game I looked at and thought, I reckon see them at least getting a draw in that. And obviously the the, the win was just a bonus. Um, didn't, didn't at all see Arsenal dropping points there. You look at Brighton at home, Brighton Ham been on a good run of form all recently and you think that's as close to a home banker for Arsenal as you're going to get. So, I mean, to see them go down 1-0, you think, all right, well, they'll come back. You know, Brian, Brian and Arsenal come back. But similar to when we conceded against Newcastle last week, you know, you still thought we were probably going to go on and win that game. Uh, when it gets to 2-0, then you get a bit excited. But then seeing Arsenal get that late goal, you think, well, they're going to go on and get something else here. Um, and then from the sound of it, the Brian keeper pulls out an absolute wonder stop in the last few minutes. Um, and they hold on, and it's just brilliant. And as you said, it must have just given an absolute buzz going into the game from the Spurs fans at Villa Park because it's almost makes that game a free hit. Of course, there's a bit of pressure to to go on and, and get the three points and pull yourself away from Arsenal. But the fact that if we were to slip up or, or lose, it's not the end of the world because the other teams have already done so. It's just such a psychological boost, and uh, we went on to see how how much uh, how good it was for us in the end. Chris, let's come to you. On my drive up to Birmingham today, I was listening to uh, Manchester United lose at Everton 1-0. Of course, put a huge smile on my face. The sun was shining. You know, everything seemed to be going well for us. And then when, as I was putting my ticket into uh, the turnstile to go into Villa Park, uh, I learned that um, Brighton were 2-0 up at the Emirates. Did you expect those results today? Not at all. I mean, I, I, um, I did think that Arsenal might drop something at Palace on, on Monday night. I thought... I thought there was a chance because Palace can, you know, well, we saw what they did to us. I know we've changed a lot since then. I felt there was a chance Arsenal might drop points there. So I didn't think they'd lose 3-0, but I thought there'd be a response today. I know they're, they're missing key players and that's very much to our benefits. 
But I mean, Brighton are in no sort sort of form. I think that's only a fourth win in twenty four or twenty six, something ridiculous. Um, don't I think they've only scored one in seven. So I just never expected that day. But then you get that feeling because we've seen it happen before when oh, this is brilliant for us, but we're going to blow it. We're going to blow it. And I'm thinking yeah. this is going to be a horror game. It's going to be painful. It's going to be nil-nil going into the final 10 minutes. Then we score in the third minute, and you're thinking, brilliant, easy three. And then it's – we don't have the ball again for the entire first half. You know, I've, I've, I don't think I've seen a, a first half that dominated against us for a long time. I mean, and Stephen Gerrard said after the game, he's, he's never gone in one-nil down and felt proud of a team before. I think he meant as a player as well and a manager that that's how much they were on top of us. And you know, Lloris, the key, key saves it. I mean, I just thought I couldn't, I couldn't envisage us. I mean, when we got to half time, I thought that's great. You know, we need, we needed to get to half time and I thought maybe we can go again. You almost, it almost looks, when you look at Newcastle again last week, as if we're playing, you know, within ourselves for the first 45. Obviously not wanting to, to come on to us that much, but it, it just really much, felt like the team were confident we had another gear to get to because I just couldn't believe how much on the back foot we were. Um, and you, you look at the result, you know, over the last three, 12 goals now in the last three games, Harry Kane hasn't scored one of them. Yeah. yeah he's, he's one of the best players in, <clears throat> in the Premier League in the world. He's not scored a single goal and we're, and we're sweeping teams off the park now. And yet he's involved in so much more and we're doing it without him scoring. I mean, it's, yeah, it feels surreal, right? <laughs> I still feel something's going to go wrong soon because I just... Oh, don't I, say I don't that. Don't, don't say that. that. <laughs> Gaz, let's come to you. Um, Antonio Conte, a quote here um, that he's just told Sky Sports, a big team, a strong team, doesn't rely on other results. We have to look at ourselves. Uh, we have to know the moment to kill your opponent. Um, of course, he just wants Tottenham to carry on winning. We want Champions League football, don't we? 100%. And I think the thing with Spurs in comparison to Arsenal, I think Arsenal have got a very, very good young side. But they are young. They haven't been in the Champions League. They haven't been in big games. Emil Smith-Rowe, some of these boys. Saka, I know he's played for England. But I think in this Spurs in this Spurs group, in Son, Kane, they've been involved in big games. You've got a top, top manager as well. Arteta's not been there as a manager. That might well be the difference coming into the season. Of course, Antonio. Front, also, you, you, you've got a front three, just to, just to pick on what we said there. Harry Kane, when it comes to goals and assists as a combination, He's top in 2022. Second is Son with 13. And third is Kula with nine. Fantastic numbers there. So good. Very threatening. Um, Conte has also said to Sky, the, the, the winner has to feel the blood and to know when to kill your opponent. To get these sorts of results in a short period of time it makes me happy. Um, Alex, let's come to you. Let's let's talk about the game itself. Um, give me your initial thoughts on the, uh, on the game Tottenham Hotspur for Aston Villa nil. Well, I think, as Chris touched on, the first half was a bit worrying. Um, we've not really seen that in recent games, that kind of not being able to get hold of the ball, soaking up so much pressure. It's just not how we've been playing recently. We managed to kind of put teams to the sword almost straight away in, in most of the games we've played recently. Um, but what I can't understand, because Sunes was saying at full-time on Sky, kind of saying, oh, we got a bit lucky first half. And, you know, arguably, you know, three players have won us the game, but we've, we've rode our luck. Well, can we just remember how important the goalkeeping position is? And Lloris had an absolute blinder today. Yeah. We all know that he has—he can be a bit up and down, Lloris. He, I think he should have done much better for the Newcastle goal last week. But today was one of those games where he just just stopping everything. And that's why you have a world-class keeper in that position. And he deserves all the credit in the world. I think mm. it was a pretty, 
pretty much a perfect goalkeeping display today. You know, what, six or seven saves just in the first half. And then he had a key part to play in one of the goals. Obviously, that great ball to Kane, who flicks it on. So, in terms of, you know, you, you can't really ask for a, anything more from your goalkeeper in that uh, sense. And then, yeah, in the second half, it reminded me it reminded me of the glory days under Potch, really, when we would just go to teams. The one that sticks in my mind is the 6-2 at Goodson Park against Everton. I think it was just before Christmas, through 2018, it must have been, where yeah. we... If, if we go ahead against teams, we can just then go and pick them off in such a clinical manner. Um, and all, you know, obviously Son gets the credit for plaudits, Kane gets the plaudits, but I'm sure we'll talk about him more later. But Kulisnevsky, again, just oh, a, complete, a complete level oh. up. I've got all the time in the world for Lucas and for Bergwijn, but this lad is another level in terms of his intelligence, what he can bring. His goal, I didn't, I honestly thought there was nothing on. I thought he was going to have to cut back and find another option. So, the intelligence to take the ball on, squeeze it in from that angle. He, he's an absolute star, this kid. And I think he's going to go on to be, hopefully, along with Son and Kane, that front three could be doing bits for, for years and years. And fingers crossed it continues. But, um, yeah, I mean, overall, got to, got to say, what a day. And very positive, that result. Chris, how would you describe Tottenham's performance today? Did, did, did you expect it today? I mean, I was after what happened against Newcastle last week. I mean, that was such a controlled performance in that second half. I was, I was confident we were going to go and get a result. I've, I, my prediction would have been two 0 a Tottenham two 0 win. But but when Arsenal slipped up, I thought we're, we're not going to take advantage of this. And I loved, I loved those comments. Um, I heard Conte say it just before we came on. I saw you just flash it up on on screen there that, you know, you've got a sense when it's your moment and you've got to go and kill the opponent. And again, that comes back to what I was saying before. It's almost like we were playing within ourselves because there's confidence there. Now there is control within the team when we need to be controlled, thanks to Benton Kerr. And yeah, the intelligence of Kulisevsky, I mean, he's, he's 22 at the end of this month, isn't he? I think. And I mean, Stevie G at the end of that game as well said, yeah, they've got two class two world-class players in Son and Kane, and this looks special too. I mean, every game he's played in, he, he just, every time he has the ball, you feel confident, as you do with Benton Kerr as well. I mean, I, I can't believe how things have turned round in the space of two months. I I felt, you know, coming into this week, it feels like Tottenham Arsenal were, you know, going for fourth. West Ham and Man, you're just beginning to fade a little bit. And I'd have said even two months ago, I still feel that Arsenal have got more substance to to what they're doing. They've got they've got a clearer idea and their identity. But but the difference between and Kulisovsky made for this Tottenham team. And again, that, what's so great about that is that's good recruitment. And you know, over twenty years, we have not said that too many times. I mean, much of what Poch did was was down to improving players who were already there. And he, tremendous what he did. Tremendous, getting 200% out of players, improving them beyond what you ever thought they could do. But but what we've just seen this season with, with Romero uh, in the summer and Benton Kerr and Kulishevsky more recently just gives me hope, which I didn't have before. Um, and yeah, I, I uh, but coming back to your question, I, I, I thought we would win today until Arsenal lost. And then I thought, nah, it, it can't, but it can't map out. It can't just map out perfectly. It never does, but it has. Good. Guys, let's come to you. I, I felt the excitement was back last week when we hammered Newcastle 5-1. It certainly is back today, isn't it? Oh, mate, look, 
I, 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 think we, I think we touched on it already. I think there were similarities with, with the first half last week. I thought Tottenham needed a rocket up their backside at halftime for me last week. You could probably say the same thing today. I thought Aston Villa were good in the first half. I thought, but Aston Villa have got some really good players. When they're on form, do you know what I mean? They've got some good players that can cause some damage. Hugo Lloris was fantastic. But you was in the crowd today. Chris, what was it like over there? It was buzzing for me. It's just it, there's that real good feel factor back at back at football matches. I was at Old Trafford and Ellen Road of recent weeks and the fans are really back on side at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. You, you you hear the fans constantly saying, are you going to this game? Are you going to this game? Of course I am. Of course I am. Everyone wants to be at the games and everyone is really looking forward to our next game. Uh, which is great to see again. Um, Alex, let's come to you. Let's talk about um, Tottenham Hotspur starting eleven. Of course, Hugo Lloris in goal, the back three of Romero, Dyer and Davis, the wing-backs, uh, Emerson and Doherty, in midfield, Benton, Kurt, Hoybier, the forward three of Kulishevsky, Harry Kane and Hulmin Son. The team kind of picks itself now, doesn't it? It, it does, yeah. Um, I, I did think Reguilón would come back into the team today because uh, from what I was told, he was fit and he was good to go. Um, obviously Conte maybe thought he wasn't quite ready and started him on the bench but then obviously I have no choice to throw him in really when uh, Doherty goes down injured which is a big shame for Doherty by the way considering how, how much he's improved recently uh, he's been an absolute key, key cog for us in recent weeks he's come up with plenty of assists plenty of goal contributions um, so it was a shame to see him go down which again if you said that to me a month or two ago I'd probably said oh thank god he's gone off but um, he's really turned things around and he's, he's looking like a great you know Potentially one of the one of the great stories under Conte, really, but players who can turn around. Um, but yeah, I thought Reguilón did okay. He maybe did still look like he lacked a little bit of sharpness. Um, still very suspect going forward. It almost seems like whenever he gets near the box, he kind of gets a bit scared. And well, he did he did get off a good right-footed shot, which I didn't know he really had that much of a powerful right foot. But there was one in the first half, I think, which just went wide off a deflection. Um, but no, I think you're right. I think that team really does pick itself. I mean. That front three, why are you ever going to change that? Um, you know, Benton Kerr and Hoiberg in the middle. Hoiberg deserves a lot of praise today as well, I think. Um, but, you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea. He's not always been the most popular player, but he showed a different side to his game today, I think. It wasn't just all about the grittiness, the defending, the tackling. He showed a really couple of really nice moves to get away from defenders and lay the ball off. And I think he was certainly one of our best players who, again, might be overshadowed because of that front three and people are each maybe picking up the plaudits. Um, but yeah, I think that basically that front three is that sorry, that starting eleven is here to stay. And I can't see much tinkering with that going forward, really. Chris, let's come to you. Same question, really. Um Matt Doherty, of course, played uh, left wing back. Um, I suppose it was fair to keep him in the starting eleven, um, even though Regulon and Sessignon were both back, uh, because of his performance and of course his goal last week against Newcastle. Yeah, I think I think most people would have expected an unchanged lineup today on, on the back of what happened last week and the performance from, you know, every, I think last week we were, everyone was taken by surprise when they saw the starting lineup. <laughs> but, you know, given that Davis and Emerson and, and Doherty himself all scored in that that game and the assist from them as well. And, and you know, I don't think today that he was going to do anything else, Conte, than, than go with an unchanged team. And again, I think you mentioned Hoiberg there, just having the experience of Benton Kerr alongside him and, we mentioned in the past we don't we we've never had winners in in the team people who have won things we have that very you are a young team that just improved so much under Poch but it all been there together you've got someone like Kane who's just an amazing player but has never never won anything and when when Bale came back we thought well this is brilliant he's going to bring that that now that experience but you know 
Romero won the Copa America last summer. Benton Kerr has won three Serie A titles with Juventus. Kulisevsky, even at 21, has scored in an Italian Cup final and won it. They've, they've all got the experience of winning it. I think when you put someone like Benton Kerr alongside Hoiberg, you can bring him to another level. Uh, again, with Romero alongside Dyer. You know, Dyer has had his ups and downs to to huge degree throughout his time at Tottenham, like the highs and the lows. And I love the character he's shown through all of that and and through his days with England as well and how well he talks about getting left out of Euro 2020 last summer and just how he was going to use that to, to kick on and, and make sure that he improved at Spurs as he has done this season. But I think bringing in that, I mean, they're young, but they've, they've got the experience of having won something. And I think that's just helping the, the existing players and, and taking them to another level. Kaz, before I come to you on the uh, on the starting eleven, I've just got a short clip that I'd like to show the, the three of you. Now, that was actually before the game. Um, and, and the reason why I've shown that is, like, the togetherness within this squad at the moment. Every, everyone hugging, everyone getting on so well. We haven't seen that earlier on in the season, had we? That's amazing, Chris. Yeah. Oh, mate, yeah, it was definitely not there, wasn't it? It was definitely not there. But it's just funny how we go back to recruitment and just a couple of signings can change the whole dynamic of things. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's made such a big lift that Bentancourt, Kulisevsky signing, obviously Romero coming back into things. Like, when we had Sanchez at the back, it didn't really fill you with much confidence, did it, when, when he was there with Dyer and Ben Davis, everyone's looking around, individual mistakes being made left, right and centre throughout the team. And I just think there's a real togetherness now. And I think you've got to buy in. It's very unfortunate we talk about the, the starting eleven today. You're probably, Stephen Bergwijn, he's had a great international duty with Holland. When he comes on, he's making an impact, scores the other day. Um Lucas Moura seems to have fallen off a little bit, if you like. He was probably a mainstay when Conte first actually come to the club. He even come out in the press and said he was sort of undroppable at times. But I think them two are two fantastic subs as well to in to be introduced off the bench and to give us a real force off the bench, as they've shown already. Alex, let's come to you. Just want to show you the league table here. Tottenham Hotspur yeah, four. Yeah. <laughs> We've played 31. We've now won 18. We've drawn three. We lost 10. Got a goal difference now of plus 19. And we now have 57 points. Arsenal, of course, have a game in hand. Uh, but our goal difference is far more superior. How are you feeling right now as a Spurs fan uh, for this push for the top four? Can we do it? Well, it's, it depends on the question. How do I feel as a Spurs fan or how do I feel as a football fan? If you ask me as a Spurs fan... I'll say we'll lose all our next few games and then that'll be it. But look, I mean, we we have to be favourites now. We surely have to be favourites. The way we're playing and the way that Arsenal and United are playing, you've got to say, looking for remaining fixtures as well, I mean, you, we've got to be considering the driving seat here. Um, obviously, things can go wrong. We've got Brighton at home next, which doesn't look too tricky on paper. Then we saw what happened to Arsenal today. Uh, I think we will, obviously, we will drop points. You know, Liverpool's the one we look at and think, you know, realistically, chances are of a loss there. Although, having said that, we did very well against them earlier in the season. We've beaten City away. At the moment, there's no reason why we can't take on anyone, really. But I've just got a feeling there's going to be some sort of drop points. Maybe I'm looking at Brentford, Leicester, Burnley. Something like that will go wrong at some point. We, it could have happened today. If Villa had scored one of their first-half chances... 
it could have been a very different game second half. But very positive there, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I am positive. I am positive, but I'm a Spurs fan, so deep down, I'm, of course, I'm, of course. As Chris mentioned earlier, something will go wrong. But now, nah, listen, at the same time, we will drop points, but Arsenal and United are also going to drop points. So I'd like to think that by the time the North London derby comes around, we could be a good six, maybe nine points clear. And it might even be a case of, well, dare I say it, if we won that game to seal a top four place, I would, well, I'd have a good night. That's all I'd say. And we, it would be certainly one to remember, but... Fingers crossed it could all be sewn up before then. But, yeah, I mean, look, look with logical head on, you've got to say we're favourites. And for a reason, because we're playing absolutely brilliant football at the moment. Can you believe, though, Alex, how Antonio Conte has turned this Tottenham Hotspur team around like this? I can't. I can't, to be honest. I mean, even, even a month ago, we were still having doubts. I think that Burnley loss was a kind of low point where it looked like even he'd run out of ideas, where he was even contemplating, you know, what more can I do to help this team? Um, and then something's just clicked. I think as we have allowed to touch on, the recruitment is a huge part of it. And it almost reminds you of, of the early days of Liverpool and the clock, really. That Liverpool team were an absolute mis mishmash at the time. They clearly needed some changes. And it only takes two or three smart signings. You're looking at like Van Dijk, Fabinho that were brought in. And they're a completely different prospect. They're fighting near the top of the league. They bring together this sense of belief. Um, and that seems to be what's happening here. I don't want to tempt fate or anything because, you know, they could still turn out to be well, I'd like to think that Kulusevski and, and Benton Kerr will continue this vein of form, but you never know. But at the moment, all the signs are looking amazing. And all the doubts are now about Antonio Conte going. I mean, if we did get top four and he's now done all the hard work of getting this far, what, what on earth would he leave for at this point when we could go on to have an amazing next season? So it's all very, very positive at the moment. But, you know, just got to be wary of complacency and not slipping up against a Brentford of this world uh, and then enjoying our summer, hopefully. Chris, let's come to you. Let's look at the table again. Why not? Um, hey. We've got Brighton at home. We've got Brentford away, Leicester at home, Liverpool away, Arsenal at home, uh, Burnley at home. And then, of course, final day of the season, Norwich City away. Seven games to go. Um, do you think, realistically, Spurs can and will finish in the top four? Of it's it's not arrogance, but we, we are favourites now. I mean, unquestionably, we're favourites. I mean, it's, it's firmly in our hands. But yeah, that's almost scarier. It's it's almost scarier. It's like you're almost feeling like felt more comfortable chasing the pack down. But now, I get what again. What gives me hope is Conte, his mentality, and and the fact that he's you know what he's done before. He won Serie A five times as a player. He won the Champions League as a player, as a manager. He won three Serie A titles with Juve, one with Inter, Premier League with Chelsea. He he's been there as a player and a manager. I know we had that we had the winning mindset with Mourinho as a manager, but he brought the toxicity that he, he brings everywhere with him, the negativity of the way that he plays. I think what we have here is 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 the mentality, the winning mentality married with someone who well, he's done it as a player as well. He understands what it was to be a player at, at top clubs. You know, Mourinho, for all that he achieved, didn't have that side of it. So I think there's a more empathetic empathetic side to to Conte. I look at the fixtures and I, you know, the last game I went to was the West Ham home game. And there, me and my friends were saying at that point, we've pretty much got to win every game, excepting that we're, we'd probably lose to Liverpool. We've got to win every other game, including obviously the Arsenal game. Well, at least there is now, there is there is room for dropped points. And I, I do expect us to drop 
you know, a surprise result. But I, I think Arsenal will probably do that again as well. The one that scares me in the next three is the Brentford away game. And, you know, it's got Ericsson, hasn't it, written all over it as well, which would just be, um, you know, just horrible if he was... He might do us a favour there, you know. You know well, 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 maybe. But Brentford scare me because, again, what they can do, a bit like a bit like Palace the other day with Arsenal, what, what they can do. You know, they won 4-1 at Stamford Bridge. I couldn't believe that last week. I've got a friend who's a Brentford fan and, they barely played there since 1939. We, we rock up there every season and put in our worst performance. Brentford turn up and win 4-1. Um, Brentford scares me a bit. We, despite what Brighton have done today. I mean, look, face it, we have to beat Brighton at home. We have to beat Leicester at home. We really we, we need to win the next three. But the one that scares me is Brentford away of those next three. Liverpool away, it's almost less scary because the pressure is completely off. And when you look at what we did to Man City and you just... In the back of your head, you kind of think, could we do it again? Could we do it again? And it's not inconceivable we could get something there. Arsenal, we're at home. It's going to mean everything. We're at home. It's in our hands now. We've got to go into that confidence high. Burnley, hopefully they might even be down by then. Penultimate weekend. Norwich will certainly be down by then. They're away on the final weekend. So, yeah, of the, of the next three, the Brentford one scares me most. And then... Liverpool is kind of like you, you accept it might not happen there, and then you know, we just have to beat Arsenal. Probably we've got to we've, we've got to take the fact that we are home on, on a game that's going to mean everything, and just just go into that and just oh, it's going to be if it's still if, if it's all riding on that, it's just going to be. This is not good. Really this is not good for the mental health. It's not is it? Kind of good for the physical and mental health. A heart attack waiting to happen. Chris, I think what you're trying to say then is it's going to be five wins and two draws. So we're just going to drop points against <laughs> Brentford and Liverpool by drawing, yeah? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. You, you, you've said that down very well. You should work on some facts, Chris. <laughs> Gaz, how are, you, how are you feeling about these remaining seven games? Are you, are you feeling confident again? I think the next three fixtures, Brighton, Brentford, and Brentford were hard game away. Leicester, Leicester's going to be a tricky game. Uh, but I think, I think this is Tottenham. I think we, we might be made of different stuff now. I think we're coming into the business end of the season. And not being fun, we have to, I have to touch on one man, Harry Kane. I know he's my favourite player at Tottenham. He's had a lot of stick about not turning up in big games. I tell you what, every single one of these are huge football matches. And he's turning up week after week at the moment, as are yeah. the other boys. And I just feel that Tottenham at the minute, I think you've got to be really, really good to beat us. And even if you are at it, I think we've got people capable of just pulling something special out of the bag. We've got three, three top, top draw players at the moment contributing big moments week in, week out. Before we talk about the game itself, Alex, let's come to you. Um, I just wanted to ask all three of you who you've been most impressed with under Antonio Conte. Who's been the real winners and who's been the, the most improved since Conte arrived early November? Sure. Where do you start? I think genuinely he's improved. There's so many. I know, there are so many. I'm going to go back to Kudasevsky again. I just love him. I absolutely love him. I think he's exactly what we needed. I think just with Lucas and Bergwijn, they're good at certain stuff. So we know now when Lucas comes off the bench, he injects that pace, he injects that energy. And as we saw in the Newcastle game, for example, he create, they linked up together to create a goal against a tired Newcastle team late on to make it five. That's great. And, that, and they have superb options to have off the bench, as we've already touched on. Kudasevsky is just brilliant and everything. And it's just the intelligence. It's it's the the way he floats about, the way he finds the space, his finishing, his movement, his passing. And at the age of 21, I just think he's, he's only going to get better under Conte. And there's a reason why 
it was clear that him and Paratici wanted him so much in January. And it's funny now to look back and think we were quite underwhelmed, really, by by him and Bentancur, almost like they were Juventus cast-offs or, or kind of reserve players who just needed a new home. But, I mean, if you're a Juventus fan, surely you're looking back now and thinking, what on earth have we done letting them go? Um, so, listen, I could choose I could choose probably 10 or 11 players who've improved on the Conte, but I think Kulisevsky is fast becoming one of my favourite players. I just love love watching him. Um, and I think he's going to be going to be brilliant. Chris, it is fair to say that Antonio Conte has improved many, many players only since November. Can you imagine what it would be like at Tottenham when he's uh, worked with these players for a pre-season as well? Yeah, I mean, that's that, almost a gutting thing that he wasn't ready to return to, to football at the start of last season. Obviously, there was the potential there. It felt at one point that we we could get him from the start of the season. I, I mean, even even before this, this last few weeks, I was really fearful he could still go this summer, I'm feeling much more confident now that, that he's still going to be there and that he will see, like you, someone mentioned earlier, the start of the plan, the work that he's done already. Why rip that all up and go and start somewhere else again? And yeah, the the, the positivity of what there could be with a, with a pre-season behind him. But yeah, I mean, you can't look beyond Kulisevsky for most impressive player, but he has improved. Conte has improved every single player again. And again, that's something that Pochettino did. And that's good coaching. That's good management. And that's something that Mourinho didn't do. I'm not wanting to have a pop at Mourinho, by the way, but there are managers that isolate players that that, that somehow, you know, kind of give up on them straight away. Well, it's not a clever thing to do. Like, we don't know everything that goes goes on, obviously, at training grounds. We don't know when a player might have done something that they can't redeem themselves on or retrieve themselves from. But you've got to keep, you've got to accept it's a squad game. It's a huge squad game nowadays. It's going to be even more so when you can have five Premier League subs from next season. So you've got to keep people happy. You've got to see what, what they can do for, for the team, whether that's from the bench or in the starting lineup. And he's getting the best out of everyone. Yeah, Matt Dorsey, the way that he played last week, you know, the way that Dyer is, is getting back to to what he was. It, it, like Hoiberg as well. Again, I think that's a lot to do with Benton Kerr being alongside him. But these players who were losing their way, who suddenly feel like they're part they're part of it. You know, they've been literally, we're part of this now. We have a role here. Um, and that's down to good coaching, great coaching, great management. So, you just, yeah, can't look beyond really the whole team has improved. But but what Kulisevsky has brought, and yeah, I'm, I don't keep my eye on the European game as much as I used to. And I didn't have any idea of the talent that, that this guy has. Um, and it's just evident week in, week out. It's It really gives us so much hope for the future. I mean, I, I, I wrote down, I was working out all of the all of the goals and the assists since he arrived. Um, Kane scored six and set, scored seven and set up six since Kulu arrived. Son's scored nine and set up two. Kulisewski himself has set up seven and score three. So between them, that's 15 assists and 19 goals between that front three in the, I think it's 11 games since he made his debut in that 3-2 defeat to Southampton. Again, you look back at that result and you're just like, oh. yeah. So if we'd have, if we'd have hadn't lost to Wolves and Southampton, even the Man U game in a way, like to have not got a point from it, it was, it was the Ronaldo show, wasn't it that day? And you just feel like we would really be, that's what I'm all, I'm a hot, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Cause I'm thinking, oh, we could almost have this sewn up by now, but um, half empty, kind of guy. Sorry, and I'm thinking that to those results. I went to the Wolves game, and it was just there was nothing there. 
No, there's nothing there in that game. And Loris had a terrible day that day. You know, he's, he was at fault for one and half at fault for the other of the 2-0 defeat. And you see what he's done today. Brilliant. Kept us in it in the first half, so redeemed himself. And, um, yeah, I can't really get my head around how things have turned around um, in the space of two or three months, two months, really. Kaz, let's come to you. Um, a comment here from Roy. Um, Harry Kane uh, must be close to being the best player in the world at the moment. Some Spurs fans still think that we should sell him. Utter madness. Now, Harry Kane is a player that you think that he can't improve anymore, but he seems to improve week by week by week, season by season. He's just adding so much more to his game. I've struggled to find anyone better in Europe than him. You could probably make an argument for Benzema if you're going out and out strikers. You saw what he'd done at Stamford Bridge in the week. He's absolutely brilliant. Like that little deft little touch off the head today for Son. It's just so good. It's just he's on a different wavelength. And what I love the most, the chemistry was always just between Kane and Son. Now we've added another one to the mix. And Kulu's quickly jumped on board and he's in the flow straight away. I don't think there's anyone better than Harry Kane it, for me. I think he's the best forward in the Premier League. Tottenham Hotspur for me have got a problem. We haven't really got a problem because they held all the aces, really. Two years left he's got on his contract, yeah. Would Tottenham be prepared to say to him, look, you can go at the end of that contract. We won't take nothing for you at the club. Or sign a big deal now and you could be earning a fortune at the age of 34, 35 perhaps. Tottenham can't let Harry Kane go. He needs, he's integral to everything that we're about. And him and Conte need to push us on. We can't be even thinking of getting rid of him. And I'm surprised that Spurs fans still have that picture of him, with, with him leaving the club in their head. Because for me, it's an absolute no-no. He's come out many times, though, Gaz, and said as long as he sees the club going in the right direction, then he's going to stay at Spurs. Surely he's feeling that right now under Conte. 100%. I think Tottenham are going to have a go in the summer as well. We all know we're led to believe them and they're after players. Obviously, left side of the three at the back, perhaps. Wing-backs are an area we're looking at. Obviously, the Docs had a little bit of return to form, but is he good enough long-term? Question mark. So, I think Tottenham are going to spend some money and he'll, that would be, be music to his ears. He'll love that. And... Um, I think they, I think he, it's, it's it's very interesting. Does he go and move? Does he go and move to say a city and try and try and win a trophies, or does he go down as a legend at Tottenham? Hopefully, it's the latter. Yeah, and surely you you expect uh, Harry Kane to break Jimmy Greaves' record if he stays, and and of course Wayne Rooney's record for England. Definitely, yeah. I think I was surprised that he actually in in the week that he didn't play. Did he not? He didn't play for England, did he? On, on in the second game of the week, Ivory Coast. Came on for 20 minutes, I think, didn't he? That's Came what I mean. Yeah. I'm surprised about that. He would have probably been chomping at the bit to try and... That might have been an opportunity for him to nick another couple of goals, but I think he'll break that record. And for me, it's an argument for me. I don't know if this... Obviously, if I haven't been a long... I've only been around for 35 years, but I struggle to see anyone better ever to wear a Spurs shirt. He's absolutely brilliant, the guy. And I love him. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he is the best, player, best Tottenham player I've seen play live. I didn't see Gaza play for Tottenham live. Someone play for England. Actually, Chris, while, while you're talking about strikers, um, I just wanted to ask you about your book uh, that you wrote on the 94-95 season because, of course, that all, that still remains one of my favourite seasons watching Spurs. Of course, yeah. Sheringham and uh, and Klingsman. Um, tell us a little bit about that book. Well, yeah, uh, well, it's uh, yeah. The reason I started writing that book was because it stood out to me as the season I enjoyed most. Yes, we. I mean, I, I've got Pelters for the title. I should have called it Klingsmania. Call it the team that yeah. to, you know, obviously the, the, the club motto. Because to me, that season, although we won nothing, and most of my seasons as a Tottenham fan, 
and most football fans seasons as football fans whoever they support end without a trophy unless you support you know one of the, the clubs that wins every year but what that season encapsulated for me was just the the emotions the highs and the lows as well because there were just so many incredible goal scoring games in that season you know four threes six twos six threes it's a ridiculous campaign but it all started obviously signing Klinsman and the surprise of that of, of signing a, a, a world-class star at his peak, really. I think we just turned 30 that summer, but he was still such a talented player. We were starting the season on minus 12 points because we'd been docked points for uh, the previous regime's financial misdemeanours, but we got the points restored eventually throughout the season when it was ruled that um, club shouldn't be punished for what had gone on um, previously. But, you know, Klinsman in that one season was my favourite Tottenham player for a very long time. Actually, what's weird about this book is... When I I was writing this book in, I think, the first Pochettino season, and 94-95 was still my favourite Tottenham season until Poch did what he did. You know, yeah. And what Poch did, I never expected Poch to do what he did. Just incredible. I, I will look back to forever. And, you know, had I a year on, I probably would never have written this book, actually, because what Pochettino did superseded in, in many ways what I, what I experienced and still... Love 94 95. You know, I was the perfect age when I was 16 turning 17. I think then when your club is absolutely everything for you at a time when later in life you've got some of us have got kids and stuff, and you know, you've got to start working hard as well. So it's maybe not quite the same, but that season I will always remember with fondness. But yeah, what 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 pain is now? I mean, you know, almost the other day he now has the intelligence of sharing, he has the intelligence of sharing, and he has the prowess of um Shearer as well. He's like Shearer and Sheringham combined. What, what yeah. he's doing without even scoring goals at the moment is just phenomenal. I, do, I don't understand how anyone... I mean, again, I've kind of grown out of that myopic, not looking at anyone beyond the team and not admitting when someone's got talent. I don't understand how there are people out there who do not put him in a world-class category. It just... It's standard. I don't know how you can be that blind to it. I think the thing it does come down to is that he doesn't play for one of me, you know... Hero, he haven't won anything basically, and I think people hold that hold that against him. When to me, it's even more impressive what he was doing in a team that's just one, probably one step down from the very elite. So, absolutely phenomenal. Um, I mean, I actually thought last summer maybe we have to let him go, not wanting to, not wanting him to go, but thinking, look, he clearly wants to go, and we can only sell him a year on for less, probably. So, my, why not let him go? Actually, the way that the season started, I thought maybe, maybe we're hanging on to an unhappy player here. But I think that was a hangover of yours. Captaining England all the way to the final, 120 minutes of the final penalty shootout, heartbreaking way to lose. Then he's missed out on a dream move. Undoubtedly, that's going to weigh on him as well. I thought maybe he's given up on us. But the fact that he is now, he's an even better player now than he's ever been to Tottenham right now. This is the best he's ever been. Um, but he's taken it to another level after that disappointment. So, yeah, I just hope that Conte and Kane stay. And I don't think well, we know that for sure, unfortunately, yet, but fingers crossed. I'll look forward to your new book uh, next year, Chris, saying Conte delivers. That's what, that's what I'll look forward to. Much better title than the one I've chosen. Well done, Chris. <laughs> now, guys, let's come back to you. Let's get to that first in the third minute. Harry Kane's shot was blocked. Rebound to Hunmin Son. Um, hit it home. In off the post. Great start from Spurs, wasn't it? 
Okay, correctly. Gaz, are you there? I'll be here, Chris. It's got a bit crackly. I'm here. Gaz, if you come out and then come back in again, and then uh, it should sort itself out. Alex, you missed the first goal, so I'm not going to come back. To, I'm not going to come to you on that one, Chris. Yeah. Let's come. Let's let's come to you. Talk talk me through uh, Tottenham's first goal because really, as we talked about those results already uh, with Manchester United and Arsenal, it really was the perfect start after just three minutes. Yeah, who was it who put the ball forward? I, I have to say, I, I missed that. Was it was it Dyer or Hoiberg? But not the greatest of of headers back comes to Kane, who shot from the replay was going. It was going 20 yards wide, wasn't it? He, he hit a first-time volley from just outside the box. Clatters off a, a Villa defender straight back to Son, whose who's finish was just, again, just the class that Son has to wrap his left boot round that in off the base of the post. And Opta, Opta put out a really good stat that he's now got 34 Premier League goals with his left foot, Son, which is the most of any right-footed player in, the Premier, in Premier League history, except for... Kane, who's got 39. So, you know, that's uh, that's quite a stat, isn't it? Um, but yeah, w- what a way to start the game. What a quality goal to start the game with. What what You just think this is perfect. You know, Arsenal dropped the points. There's going to be pressure on the team now. I thought, as I said earlier, this is going to be horrible. It's going to be going into the final 10 minutes, nil-nil. But the absolute perfect way to start the game. But until the second half... The ultimate full storm as well, because from that point on, we just invited pressure after pressure after pressure on us. But um, somehow <laughs> turned it all around. Yeah. Alex, let's come to you. Chris says about the pressure there that we invited. You know, Aston Villa, if you were an Aston Villa fan, you'd be very, very disappointed that they didn't score a goal in that first half because they had chance after chance after chance. Now, in the 14th minute, Aston Villa had a shot on target through cash. Hugo made a save. In the 16th minute, great shot from Rams- Ramsey. What a world-class save from Hugo Lloris. McGinn then had a shot in the 19th minute, long range. Uh, looked like he was going in the top corner. Hugo Lloris made another great save. And it was just chance after chance. But, you know, talk us through um, the performance from Hugo Lloris today because, you know, the amount of times um, that Spurs fans have criticised him for, for errors over the years. But I'll tell you what, the, the 10 years that he's been with the club, I absolutely adore the guy. I just think that he produces world-class saves again and again and again. And today was another one of those days. 100%. I, I love him to bits. I think every time he does make a mistake, which, look, every keeper does, every every top-level keeper will make one or two mistakes. But it seems like he'll have one or two shaky games, make the odd error, and then he'll come back and put his string of just brilliant performances. And you can always guarantee that from him. You know, there's never really been a season or a stretch of games or a period more than a couple of weeks where he's ever looked out of sorts. And he just... He's just Mr. Consistent. He's Mr. Tottenham, really. One of our longest-serving players. He's been here, well, what, over 10 years now, and he's it's, it's amazing, really, how, how long he's kept that consistency. Again, he's one of those who could have jumped ship at some point. I'm sure there are lots of teams who've been in for him who've tried to tempt him away, maybe PSG, for example, back to France. But he genuinely seems to love the club. He gets the club. I don't think he'll be really fulfilled until he eventually wins a trophy at Tottenham, much like Harry Kane, hopefully. Um, and it, if, if we ever do win a trophy, then it will be, he'll be one of the players who you think, well, he deserves it the most. He's earned it the when, most. And when, Alex? When? When, 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 when? Sorry, I need to get more positive. When he wins a trophy, um, it'll be one of those. But I'll tell you what, the, the worst Aston Villa miss I thought was that Danny Ings one right at the end of the first half. We think, 
if that drops to Kane or Son, it's it's a goal nine times out of ten. Yeah. It's completely fluffed at that. That would have been a massive time for him to get a goal. Would have given him a huge boost. Would have got the stadium rocking. And with that miss, you start to think maybe it is our day because it's a pretty guilt-edged chance that. But you've got to be got to be tucking away. Um, but yeah, obviously all thanks to Larissa for keeping us in the game up until that point. Yeah, as I say, they had many, many chances. In the 28th minute, it was a clever free kick uh, over the top. Uh, Danny Ings connected, but not very well. Hugo saved that one as well. Uh, 32nd minute, cross in. Watkins headed over the bar. Um, I felt at that time that we were riding our luck. Chris, was that the way that you felt as well? Yeah, I mean, massively. And, and that Ings chance that you mentioned, Alex, yeah, how he missed that. I mean, if he, there's no way Lawrence is saving that if he gets that on target. And he's, he scored a few against us, hasn't he, Ings? So bit of a bogey player for us but that point I'm like oh man what we need what's going to happen at half time and um just wanted to get into the dressing room obviously there was five minutes of added time because of the injury to Darty so um you're thinking oh blimey we've got even longer to hold on um thank goodness we got into the break with that clean sheet still in our favor gave Conte the chance to to get the message across whatever he had to get across to the to the players and then come out and get almost an equally early goal in the second half, you know, and I, I, I tell you what did make me think at half time that if we get a second, Villa are going to be just shattered because they put everything into that first half. They played with so much intensity. They deserved to be level at half time. And you just thought if we can get a second, they are going to be so down on themselves that they hadn't got themselves back into the game. And so it was crucial that again, we came out, started the second half, got that second goal, so early on, and from that point, I felt comfortable given given Villa's form, given what was still at you know at stake for us. I didn't feel we were going to let it slip from two 0 I have to say, and again, you know, for much of our lives as as Tottenham fans, probably certainly pre Poch era, even two 0 never felt safe. And I know even even since then, we've seen times when it hasn't been safe. But the way we're playing right now under Conte at two 0 I felt yeah, we're okay, we're okay now, and that's quite a recent thing. In, in as a, you know, in my life as a Spurs fan, to ever feel comfortable. I mean, the first time I ever felt it actually was in the farewell season, uh, where we were unbeaten, weren't we, Elaine? Yeah. All season, and I, that's the first time ever I've gone to games, pretty much knowing we were going to win some of those games, like Burnley at home, and just going there. I've never, never had that before. But under Poch, he just had them playing as they. Everyone knew what they were doing. Every single player knew what their role was. Um, and we're just seeing, I think, the early signs of that again under Conte. And that, again, that's just why it's vital, vital that he stays this summer. It will just be to blow this, to blow having got a world-class manager here, to not to not find a way to ensure he, he signs an extension. Um, I don't think we'll ever, you know, Nuno, lovely guy, um, is not going to be the, the calibre of manager who's going to push you on. We've somehow got a second chance here. We've got to make sure Conte stays. We will come on to that later on. Um, Alex, let's come back to you. In the 36th minute, um, Watkins um, shot a Larice. Dyer then cleared. Uh, a minute later, Danny Ings missed, as you said. A glorious chance after a cross was flicked on. Um, 38th minute, Eric Dyer 
uh, hit the ball out. It, it just looked like we were a little bit nervous at that point. Um, just before half time, Coutinho had a shot, went over the bar. Um, then just before half time, we had a chance. Harry came to Regulon, hit it with his right foot. Uh, it was then cleared for a corner. Then in stoppage time, Cash shot a Larice equal to it. Uh, Coutinho shot over the bar. Um, a free kick, Hugo Lloris saved on the line. Great uh, save from Hugo Lloris again. Um, how were you feeling at half-time? We were 1-0 up, but we were conceding so many chances to this Aston Villa team. And, you know, Aston Villa fans look frustrated. The Spurs fans, you know, most of them um, who I spoke to at half-time said, how on earth are we winning this match? Yeah, I think similar to Chris, I was kind of oddly calm as well. Even though we were having, we were under pressure, you have got to remember that it's not always, you know, the play. It's not our fault that we're under such pressure. Villa are a good team. They've got good players. When you've got the likes yeah. of Coutinho, Ollie Watkins, these are all very good footballers. And there are going to be spells in the game where they inevitably have attacks, you know. And I think we just, we did manage to ride the storm. But even if we'd have gone in one all at half time, I still would have been pretty confident of getting a win just because of how many goals we ourselves are scoring at the moment. Um, and as Chris touched on, I think the second goal was absolutely crucial, the timing of it, really. It just completely knocked the stuffing out of Villa. You could tell that at 2-0, they thought, we're not going to manage to get two or three goals and get this game back here. And we also know the spaces that are left in behind that our speedy, quick players can exploit as a result. So, uh, yeah, as soon as Kulusevsky's goal went in, it almost seemed like the, there's a hush around the stadium. I don't know if that's how you found it, Chris, where any sort of hope of a Villa comeback or their fans jing them up, kind of just disappeared. Yeah. You've also remember they've got very little to play for, really. They're obviously going to be mid-table, probably upper mid-table. It's not like they've got that real motivation to go out and grab it. Of course, they'd have loved to have got a point or even better a win against, and you know, getting anything against Spurs at the moment would have been a scout for them. But you almost get the sense that some it would have been tougher against a, a Burnley or a team who are scrapping down low down the league. We're at the sort of stage of the season now where, I reckon some players are all mentally on the beach now and Villa are certainly one of them, but there's not a huge amount left for them to play for really other than pride. Um, so yeah, it look great day at the office. We had a 20 minute spell, rocky spell. We rode our luck, but the majority of the game, I think, especially second half, we were cruising really. And it's lovely to see, lovely to put, put the feet up on the sofa and just enjoy that second half exhibition. Really. Uh, it's, it's not often we get it. So enjoy it while it lasts really. I was going to ask, Alex, what, what do you think Conte said to the team at half-time? I think he probably had some choice words. He probably, a lot of it was calm, you know, telling them to calm down. I think Tempers got a bit frayed, didn't they, towards the end of the first half? They were maybe trying to rile us up a bit. We were making a few silly passes that we didn't need to. So I think he probably got them in, sat them down, just said, calm down. Keep the ball at the start of the second half. You know what your plan is. You know what you need to do. Everyone knows their role. Let's just refocus, get our head screwed back on. Uh, and to pretty much all the players' credit, I think they all did. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you really need to say too much more than that, really, at half-time. Chris, let's come to you. In the 50th minute, of course, Spurs started the second half as they started in the in the first half, scoring early on. Uh, Kuliszewski, with a left-footed shot, made it 2-0 to Tottenham. Um, what have you made of Kuliszewski and Benton Kerr? Um, you know, their time at Spurs so far, of course, they were deadline day signings from Juventus. Um, as Alex said um, earlier, you know, a lot of Juventus fans said, well, they're rejects. You know, mm. if they're rejects, then give us some more, please. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, look, I never I never expected them to have this impact. And, and the time, you know, the time that it often takes players arriving in the Premier League as well to adapt. You know, we yeah. often say it's going to take a season. I mean, they've hit the ground running absolutely hit the ground running 
the, the, the control, the composure that Benton Kerr has, the experience, even though he's only 24, but he's won so much already. Kulisevsky, yeah, it's just the intelligence, isn't it? The, like, the, the, when the ball is at his feet, you know something's going to happen. You know he's going to make the right decision, uh, whether that's to take it on himself or to, to find the pass. And I think just I've never – I've been pretty – I think the weakness we have had throughout the 20 years of Enoch is is recruitment, okay? Um we never, we never get that right. But there's the hope that we have now that Paratici actually, you know, has a plan, and the fact that him and Conte already have a relationship again, that's why it, it's so important that we we allow this partnership as such to thrive. Uh, again, I mean, I go back to Pochin for all of his positives, and I know he would say he didn't have enough say and he didn't have the power to be involved. But that's kind of part of it as well. You've still got to find a way to be involved in recruitment. You've got to find a way to get what you want. And actually, you know, I was, I was as a fan, pretty upset with the way Conte spoke after that Burnley um, defeat, um, the way he's been pretty explicit about the fact he doesn't necessarily have to stay here. But actually, you know what? In the long run, that might be to our benefit that he's able to talk like that, that he's able to let Levy know you know, I don't. I don't have to be here, and it, and it, look, I don't. I don't see any way Tottenham are ever going to change the the project to such of twenty years. They're not suddenly going to go out Levy and Joe Lewis and spend ridiculous top dollar. That's that's never going to happen, right? Why are they suddenly going to start doing that after twenty years? But it's it's not all about that. It's about buying the right players, and this season we bought Romero. We've got Kulisewski on loan, presumably to, to to become permanent, and Benton Kerr as well. And that is three quality signings. Who and we can see, we can see the evidence and the consistency of what they are delivering. And, and this, look, football changes so quickly. A couple of bad results. We'll all be speaking differently, but I just feel there's something different there that that might just help take us to another level. Uh, and we've got to, we've got to think about what this club's gone through. The stadium is unbelievable. My, I I I miss White Hart Lane so much. I love it. It'll always be a part of me. The stadium was a one billion pound project, and I always think it's a shame Poch wasn't there five years earlier or five years later. The fact that he had to be there when we are investing everything into the stadium, everything, and having to play at Wembley for nearly two years. It's such a shame that Poch wasn't able to avoid all of that or to come after that. And yes, I know we're going to be paying it off for a long time. I know that COVID will not have helped. But every season, we're just moving beyond that. We've built that part of the club. We've built the training ground. Yes, all of us would say not enough foresight or um, not enough attention has been given to the team. But those major parts of brand Tottenham, and I, I kind of hate speaking like that as a football romantic, but these are business people got to run a club they built that now okay so maybe maybe now we do start to look at the team and as i say i don't think it's ever going to be a case of throwing money around and paying the sort of transfer fees that other clubs can but we seem to have in paratici and conte people who know what they want and have a way of getting it so that really gives me hope 
Alex, let's come to you. Um, Chris talks about the, the transfers there. Now, the transfers that we've made this season, Christian Romero, Emerson Royale, of course, Kulishevsky and Benton Kerr. Um, have you been surprised how Kulishevsky and Benton Kerr have hit the ground running so quickly? And can you remember, you know, a signing at Tottenham to do it so quickly, um, you know, equally so? Um, I don't think I can really. I have to rack my brains, but not really. Um, it's funny when when Chris is talking about smart signings, it just took me back to how we spent the bail money. And you just compare that with now. I mean, spent much more in those days on just throwing money left, right and centre at seemingly anything that was available. And what, probably just Ericsson, you'd say, of those signings being successful? Uh, well, Lameda, I guess, in to a certain degree, but Ericsson really the one who had a yeah. real lasting impact of the club. You compare that with now, we we bought three players or we got two on loan and we bought one and all of all three of them slotted in seamlessly. And I think, to be honest, Paratici deserves a lot of credit for it. He got off to a kind of shaky start, didn't he? Initially, people thought, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. We're making right signings. Then yeah. there was a bit of Arming and Irving in the early Nuno days where it seemed like, well, this clearly isn't working. There's something broken with him and Nuno. The, um, the signings from summer didn't get off to the best start. And you're starting to think, is this just another one of the kind of almost... Damien Camoli, Frank Arneson days of just bringing in the wrong people at the wrong time. But obviously then getting Conte has changed everything. The two seems to work seamlessly. And listen, if you need uh, some encouragement for Levy to go spend some money, then this is it really. Because the investments we have made are proven to be worthwhile. So Conte's got every right now in the summer to look, go to Levy and say, look at the times we've brought in. Look how successful they've been. Give me another two or three and we're going to build a really good, strong squad here. And I reckon if we can bring in probably a quality wing back, another centre back, and maybe a number 10, it seems like Conte is still keen on, on getting a number 10 to complement Harry Kane. If we can get three or even two of those positions sorted in the summer, I don't want to say, but we can be competing for real major titles. We can be well up there if we can add those players to what we have already, not lose anybody. To go back to the Kane conversation, I'm 99% sure he's staying now. I really, really can't see him leaving. Why would he? Why would he want to go now where we're at, at the moment? Um, so, yeah, listen, the future is very, very bright indeed if, if we can do all the things that I just mentioned. Alex, with, of course, you working for the Daily Express, you know, I'm expecting now uh, the national newspapers to be printing stories that Harry Kane will still be leaving. Do you think the Daily Express will still be doing that? <laughs> uh, I was just writing one right now, Chris. <laughs> nah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Actually, I was thinking today as well. All the talk about Son, we barely meant. I'm sorry. All the talk about Kane, we barely mentioned Son in this chat. The I'm coming on to it. I'm coming on to it. I know, but it kind of links into Kane because what I can't believe, and I've always said that I can't believe this, is why? How is Son not getting linked to any moves away? He never does. He never gets linked. I don't know why. Good. Or, or Good. I don't, listen, listen. I'm very happy with that, and I'll tell my editors at the Express to keep it that way. But it just baffles me that every summer we've got this Kane, Willy Wonty. And, and but I know that Son's obviously signed a new contract recently, but even before then, there was never any moves linking him to United, Man City, Real Madrid. And let's be honest, yeah. he is well up there with that level. A very, obviously, a very different player to Kane, but my word, he's he's going to be, I think, the player, he, maybe more so than Kane, but when he does eventually leave, it'll break my heart because I love him to bits. But I know we're going to talk about him later, um, but what a player. Alex, let's go back to uh, Kuliszewski's goal, of course, to Tottenham second today. Um, straight after the fans were singing, gimme, 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 a ginger from Sweden. What, what do you make of that song? Uh, were you full voice of that, Chris? Not really. <laughs> no? no, I didn't join in. Not, not have a fan? No, I was videoing it. I, I, yeah. 
Um, yeah. But no, he, 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 that was an exceptional goal from him again, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, he has fitted in so well into this Tottenham Hotspur starting eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like the song, by the way. I was at the Bricklayers before the, um, before the Newcastle game, it was, and it was going off in there. Great song. Um, but no, yes, I mean, and again, it's, it comes back to that. At the moment he scored that goal, we were still, the game was very much in the balance. It was, you know, Villa had started the second half okay. We hadn't really got going. It's a nice flicks header from Kane. And then just the calmness in which he took that finish. It, it strike anywhere else in the goal and the keeper saves it. But to take it on, to kind of stand up his defender and coolly finish it in that corner is something that I don't think many of our other players would have done earlier on in the season. And I think that's the difference now. We've got a few match winners like Kudosevsky. Uh, we've got players who can make that difference, give us a little something a little bit different, inject that element of quality. Um, and it was, yeah, brilliant goal, lovely celebrations. And from then on, really, it was just all cruising. So I think that was the, the most important moment of the game, really. Chris, let's come on to talking about Hunmin Son. Of course, hat-trick hero today. Uh, he made it 3-0 in the 66th minute, run through. And it's funny, when I arrived at Villa Park today, um, I automatically thought of Hunmin Son because, of course, before COVID struck in March 2020, it was one of the last, I think it was the last Premier League away games that I went to before uh, COVID hit. Uh, and Villa Park just reminds me of Hunmin Son. And, and he's done the business yet again. And I can't believe, you know, over the last couple of months, you know, I've seen a lot of Spurs fans criticise Hunmin Son, saying, you know, he hasn't really given enough, but he certainly gave it today. I think by his own high standards, he he had a couple of quiet months, didn't he? And a couple of games where he looked, he did look shattered at one point. But you know, this is a guy who's playing international football as well and jetting around the world, and um, barely misses a minute for Tottenham. So maybe maybe it caught up with him at, at one point. But yeah, I mean, what a phenomenal player, and a really good point that Alex. Makes it, he doesn't really get talked about, and I, I assume that's because Kane just takes all of the heat in that. You know, everyone's the, the the press are always talking, the media obviously always talking about Kane and going to a bigger club. Um, so Song kind of gets forgotten about, which is maybe to to our benefit. Absolutely, again, a phenomenal player, world class player in my opinion, and another Opta stat today, along with that left footed one, that seventeen goals, but that's a, he hasn't scored a single penalty, so. Golden boot, you take the penalties away, he's a buzz Salah. Salah knocks knocked down to 15, Son's on 17, most goals without a single penalty in the Premier League this season. So, you know, I hadn't even considered that really. None of his goals are penalties. He's just what he's got. Wandered well, both feet. Phenomenal from both feet. Yeah, harking back to that that Burnley wonder goal a couple of seasons back. Just everything that he can do with the ball at his feet and just uh the composure he shows again when you know the beauty of having someone like that when he's put he's put through one on one like that you know he's going to score yeah. absolutely know it and we've had so many strikers at Tottenham over the years where you, until the till the back of the net moves you're not convinced it's actually going to happen but obviously with Kane or Son when they're through in that position you know it's a goal um, beautiful beautiful player I love love watching him play as I do with Kane as well as a so so much to be proud about what those two have done together over the years. Just so many great moments for us all to enjoy. A great moment inside the ground uh, once we've gone 3-0 up. Um, the crowd was singing, are you watching Arsenal? And then uh, followed by Tottenham get battered 
everywhere they go because, of course, uh, West Ham, Arsenal, all of those fans always sing Tottenham Hotspur, get battered everywhere we go. So we're singing it ourselves now, which is I thought was very, very funny. Um, Alex, let's come back to you. In the in the 71st minute, Spurs went 4-0 up. Hunmin Son completed his hat-trick. As Chris said there, you know, the composure from Son um, yet again to finish. Um, just, uh, you know, as soon as he went through, I had huge confidence that he would score yet again. Um, what more can we say about Hunmin Son? You can't say much more. I mean, what is he's actually genuinely mad that he's now three behind Salah for the golden boot. I said to a colleague when he scored early on in this game, I said, do not rule out him overtaking Mo Salah now because it seemed for ages as if Salah was kind of well away. It looked like I think it was as many as eight or nine goals above the nearest person at one stage. But when Song gets in this streak of form, you just feel like he's going to score at least one, two, maybe even three, three every game when he just gets in these little hot streaks. Um, and it wouldn't surprise you. Salah's struggling a bit. He doesn't seem to be on, on great form in recent times. So it'd be incredible if Son can overtake him and get the golden boot because um, that would just be a remarkable achievement for him. But yeah, there's not much else you can say about him. He's just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Infectious in his enthusiasm. Very popular, clearly, with, with among the staff. And mad to say that he's underrated, but I still genuinely think he is underrated because, as you've touched on, Kane gets all the plaudits. Rightly so. He's obviously one of the best, as we said, the Spurs have ever had. But Son's got to be not far behind if Son's if Kane's one of our best players because he just compliments him so well. And it's going to be, as I said, a heartbreaking day when he leaves. Hopefully he'll retire at the club because I think he genuinely loves it. He seems genuinely absolutely adore playing for Spurs. I can't see at this stage where he'd go, but he'd have a better time, really. What is he, 29 now? So he's still got a good few years left at his peak. Um, and again, he's one of those players that you just hope will, and, and he will, win a trophy at Spurs because it would be amazing to see. Um, and yeah, on the fourth goal, again, you've got to say well done from Kulusevski again when he laid it off. He could have easily fired that ball into him too powerfully, but instead he lovely cushion pass, but all Son had to do really was guide into the far corner. Um, and that was that was it, really. Chris, let's come back to you. Uh, the midfield... Um... Benton Kerr and Hoybier. Now, of course, Antonio Conte really bigged up Pierre Hoybier last week against Newcastle. Um, when Oliver Skip comes back from his injury, do you expect him to walk back into this team or do you think that he's going to have to fight for his position again? I, I, I would have said again, probably even, even before the Newcastle game, I probably would have said yes. Obviously, there was a setback, wasn't there, yesterday with the news that Skip's going to be out for a bit longer. There was taught that he, before that setback that he might even have been on the bench this weekend, but he's, he's going to be off for a, a bit longer. I, I would have said yes, because I, he he's a better player than Hoiberg. But but now that, again, now that we have this, this composed control team unit that is settled and seems to know what it's doing on the basis of the, the last two results, all right, you look at that first half again today and you're kind of like, well, actually, do we? But we found a way to, you know, we were one all with Newcastle at half time last week. Today we were one nil. We've absolutely blitzed those games. So um, again, I suggest maybe the team saves a bit for that for the second half. Um, I would say now the way that we're playing and that we're getting these results and that you don't change a winning team and you know um, whether Skip's going to take a bit of time as well, obviously to to, to get match fit. I I think he. Well, I think they're all fighting for their places. I don't think he goes straight back in for the reason that we're playing so well with this starting eleven, and for the reason that that midfield pairing is so settled right now. I'm not sure why you would disrupt that, even though 
I think Skip's a level above Hoiberg, but I don't necessarily think that you you bring him straight back in just because of that. I mean, it might it could well depend on the fixture as well, couldn't it? I mean, I think if you're going going up against Brighton, Brentford, Leicester with this settled team, you don't necessarily bring Skip straight back in anyway. If, if there's still a bit of a risk, you know, you don't certainly don't want to risk um, sparking off the injury again. Maybe you look at the Liverpool game, you look at the Arsenal game, and you think that at that point, if he's fully up and running again, then you bring him back in there. Um, I think he's a better player. It's, again, you probably need to sub my answer, Chris. He's a better player than Hoiberg, but I'm not sure you disrupt what we have right now, the unit. The passion from Hoiberg at the end of the game today was just immense. Um, Alex, let's come to you. I want to talk a little bit about Emerson Royale because, of course, um, he was bought originally for Nuno Espirito Santo in a back four. Of course, now we're playing uh, with wing backs. Uh, I found it interesting today at Villa Park that um, in the warm-up before the game, they actually had him uh, crossing the ball uh, a fair bit. Um, what have you made of his performances under Antonio Conte? Yeah, it's funny because I remember last time I was on the show, Chris, he was coming in, starting to come in for a bit of stick. I um, can't remember what game it was now, but it was one where he, he crossed numerous, numerous times and never found a man. Uh, that's the one, yeah, yeah. I just remember seemingly the whole game was just watching him trying to put a ball into the box and uh, again headed away. Um, and there was a lot, of, a lot of criticism coming in for him, I think rightly so at that time, but I still had a belief that he will go on to be a decent player and I still think he will. Whether he's quite up to scratch, it still remains to be seen. I think he was okay today, not great. Um, probably you know six or seven out of ten did what he needed to do, but wasn't really one of our, our better players. Didn't need to be in that wing back position today necessarily. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me in the summer we do look for an upgrade because it just seems like he's still lacking something, still lacking something going forward, still lacking a bit on the crossing, bit ponderous at times in possession, in my opinion. Um, whether Conte can improve him even further, possibly. Conte may see him as a project that we can work on, especially over the summer, really get down to business with him and take him under his wing. And it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him continue with his place. But if, if we're going to go, if we're going to be brutally honest and say the weak link in our team at the moment, it's probably got to be still the wing backs with him being one of them. Um, and it'll be intriguing now to see where he goes for him, really. Who would you say the best wing-backs are at the club, Alex, at the moment? I still, I still like Sessegnon. I still think he's got more to prove. I think there's mo the most potential with him going forward. It's obviously been a very strange, slightly frustrating time for him at Spurs so far. But we've seen glimpses this season of what he can do. problem is keeping him fit. It just seems like whenever he, he gets a, a good run going, he's looking like being our firmly established first choice. He'll pick up a little knock or... He'll be out for two or three weeks and it'll just disrupt all the momentum he had going forward. So I, I think the pure potential is him, but the issue is whether we'll be able to get him starting games on a regular basis. Chris, let's come to you. Um, now, of course, we've heard uh, that Atletico Madrid may be interested in Emerson Royale and uh, Barcelona are looking at um, Sergio Reguilon. Would you expect Antonio Conte to change uh, both of the wing-backs in the summer? Yeah, I think that, again, as we've all said, positions that, that need upgrading. And, and I think it's fair. You know, I don't I don't think you should ever, like, dig out your own players. Like, I don't think people getting on the back of players and the players being booed is ever a good idea. But I think, you know, obviously football is a game of opinions and you're going to 
see what you're going to realistically criticise players. And I think what we've seen from Emerson isn't what we would have hoped. But again, I would, I think that's kind of like the traditional first season of, of what people get from overseas players. And that, that again, why, why I've been so impressed with the other, other, other signings, because this is more often what you get, getting used to the, the Premier League, very different league from the top leagues in Europe. Um, but he doesn't look... Yeah, he has improved under Conte, but everyone has. But I, I still don't think that we would think that that's going to be an upgrade on what we had and, and that necessarily he's going to be the person who's going to help take this team to a new level. The only the only hope there is that, yes, there's room for even more improvement and that this might just be a case of getting used to the Premier League and there is more there um, next season. But I, I would like to think that, you know, what, what impressed me so much... You, you, go back three years we were as good as Liverpool amazingly because we have no yeah. right given the resources that club has and they worked out exactly what they needed and they went out and they got it no matter what the cost now no matter what the cost doesn't come into the equation for us for the reasons I've already said I don't think we're ever going to be that kind of club but I think we're working out what we need and we're working out thanks to Paratici and Conte's knowledge Syria in particular given the signings we made uh, players that are out there and they'll probably you know they obviously know far more about that league and European football than I do in that I didn't know of the quality of Benton Kerr and Kulisewski or Romero um and I feel like they they're going to be they're going to know who they need to bring in in these in these positions wing back positions and probably a midfielder as well that we need maybe we do need although it's the elusive search for you know a striker who's going to be playing second fiddle to to Kane, but from Conte's own comments this week, it seems more that he he wants to bring in that number ten, doesn't he? That creative midfielder, and to give Kane license to play even more forward back in the way that he used to. Although I'm not even convinced that that's a good thing actually, because I'm so impressed with what Kane does in this position. But I, I feel that there's hope that they're going to they're going to know. I mean, there's a very good piece wasn't there in the Athletic this week, naming that I think the four left wing backs, sorry, left sided centre backs that we would probably be going for left-sided centre-backs that the Conte and Paratici have got on their radar. So, you know, I feel like they they just have a plan. And I don't think we've ever really had that at Tottenham under these owners. I think we got, as I say, we got we got lucky with Pochettino, who improved the team. But what I think we're showing the, the very first signs of here is a, a coaching setup, uh, uh, you know, and in Paratici too, who, who can build a team, who can actually target the players they need and bring them in. Alex, when Antonio Conte is constantly improving players, how confident are you as a Spurs fan that we're going to actually go out and buy new players uh, when it could be said, well, you've improved these players and you can improve them even more. Why do we need to go and buy them? Oh, I don't think Dovey Levy's going to do that, is he? Come on, Chris, you're one being negative now. No, I'm joking. I'm not being uh, negative. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that when, when even as fans, we can see players being improved, like Chris has mm. just said there about the uh, the left-sided centre-back. Now, you could argue that Ben Davis has, has done an exceptional job so far this season mm. under Conte in that new position. Um, so would we go out and, and actually spend the money, buy a new player, when we've got a perfectly good player playing good football? I think again, we're not we're not going to go out and buy five or six players this summer. I can't see it happening. I think it's just got to be a case of two or three, maybe really top class players that are genuinely going to improve this side. I agree that the likes of Davis have improved. I still think we can get a level above Davis, which is where maybe one of these four players that Chris mentioned come into it. 
Um, same with any of our players, same with any of our, our wing-backs. They've improved as well. Are they still, if we really are looking to get to a level of competing in the Champions League, competing for the title, are they players that are going to reach us to those heights? Again, you'd have to argue probably not. So we know Conte, he's he's ruthless, he's brutal. He'll, he'll have his own opinions, I'm sure, going into the summer. And if he doesn't think anyone's quite up for it, he's going to tell him and he's going to tell Levy and he's going to say, this is what I want going forward. He's not a man who's going to mess about and and think, oh, well, I'm going to accept second best. You know, he's done enough now to prove that if we back him, if we give him what he wants, if we throw all our weight behind this project and say, we're going to do whatever you ask us to do, we've seen results. I mean, the last few weeks have been a dream. It's, it has, As I mentioned, it has been like the glory potch days of putting to the sword opposition who aren't as good as us and having lovely days like today, like the 5-0 against Everton, like the 5-1 against Newcastle, 4-0 against Leeds. We really are something, something special building here. And I think as much as Levy has been criticised in the past for not spending, he's not stupid enough now to risk any sort of traction or any sort of friction by messing things up and not giving Levy the, for example, centre-back he wants. So I've got full faith that he'll, he'll see the light. I think... We've mentioned Liverpool, we've mentioned City. They all, we all need a squad where players can interchange seamlessly. And that's what those two squads have got now. If for City, Bernardo Silva's on the bench, they've got another player who can slot in straight away and replace him without any sort of ruction to the team. So that's the sort of level I believe, I hope we're aiming to get at. And that's what we need to do this summer. Two or three additions, and I think we're good to go. Chris, Alex on this stream has mentioned the word title at least a couple of times already that I've counted. Now, what do you think? Um, you know, Antonio Conte come in early November. What is Antonio Conte here for? Because I don't believe he's here to finish just in the top four. He's here to win something. And when you think, you know, as you know, we haven't won a, a League Cup uh, since 2008, an FA Cup since 91, a European trophy since 84. We haven't won a league title since 1961. Is it realistic that Antonio Conte can build a team, uh, go out, identify really great signings in the summer and be successful and perhaps even compete for the Premier League? Or is that a ridiculous thing to say? I, I don't think it's ridiculous. I think winning the Premier League is, is genuinely almost impossible because of what Liverpool and Man City have at their disposal. Um, to a lesser extent now, all of the uncertainty around Chelsea, we don't know what that club's going to look like next season, who's going to own it. I don't expect them ever, whoever takes over, that they're ever going to have the same level of resources that they had under Abramovich. But I think to compete with with Man City, who just have unlimited resources, let's face it, and and Liverpool, who have a, a level of resources far beyond what we have, given the kind of the, the global brand that they built from just the dominance that they had throughout the 80s and 90s, well, 80s, um, I think for Tottenham to get to that level to win the Premier League is almost impossible. But I do think you're right that Conte's here to do, to try and do it, although he wants to be at a club that's genuinely going to try and do it. And again, that's why two or three weeks ago, I, I was very fearful that he would still be here next season. But when you look at the other places he could go, you know, with a, with a great chance of winning a league, they're, they're, to, to be a manager of that calibre and, and find a club of that calibre, it actually means you don't actually have many options, right? You know, you want to go somewhere and win the Well, you're only going to have a, a 95% chance of winning the league in this country if you're at Man City or Liverpool. Well, those jobs aren't coming up. Real Madrid and Barcelona, those jobs don't look like they're coming up. I mean, Ancelotti has got a four-year, 2024, I think, his contract. I know Real Madrid can chop and change 
at heart's content if they want to. Barcelona are very, very happy with Xavi. They're not going to be bringing in a new manager. I don't feel like Conte is going to be going to Germany. Maybe back to Italy. But, you know, Italy is kind of, a, at the moment, an erratic, tumultuous league. And he, he didn't, you know, he kind of left. He leaves clubs not in the best of circumstances all the time. So both Juventus and Inter, there's kind of bridges there that would have to be built. So I think he he would genuinely be trying to win the Premier League. What I, what I would say, and I think this was the case with Arsenal, and I think it's now the case with Tottenham, but to the owners, the difference between finishing fifth and fourth is everything. The difference between finishing fourth and first isn't that big a deal to the owners. Okay, They want to be a Champions League club every season, yes. Are they that fussed about winning the Premier League? I don't think so. To us as fans, yes. It means absolutely everything. I think winning, winning the Premier League would be and only give us a 5% chance. But look, hey, look, Leicester did it once somehow, right? I think winning the Champions League is actually a realistic thing. Let's face it, we've, we got very close to winning the Premier League. We got very close to winning the Champions League. We got to a final. Winning the Champions League can be done because you might get a slightly favourable draw or you're, or you're winning like two-legged knockout ties. It's not the same as building the sort of squad. And again, I touched on it earlier, the five substitute rule, I'm, I'm not in favour of that. Because again, it benefits the very richest clubs that you can then bring on five yeah. very great. You look at the bench of Man City and Liverpool, and that's a level beyond what we have. So I'd say I would say it would be a really tall order, but I do think that Conte would genuinely be striving to do it because he's a winner. Look, what he won as a player, what he's already won as a manager, he's not he's not at a club to finish fourth. Um, he will genuinely be going for it. And if anyone can do it, he could do it. But I think. It's a tall order. I mean, Deloitte bring out that survey every year, don't they, where most clubs finish in the Premier League where they pay the level of wages that they pay. And actually, what we've done is punched above our weight when we should have been finishing fifth or sixth. We were finishing fourth or third. And that that's down to Poch. And Conte, again, is someone who can... Actually, finishing fourth with Tottenham for Conte, I think, is a more impressive feat than winning the Premier League with Chelsea, as he did. You know, we don't... We don't have the resources of the, the other big six. Um, and we've got a, a manager here who will strive to win the Premier League. But I, I think I think it would probably be beyond us, personally. I hope I'm wrong. But I do think we could run them close. And I, do think, I don't think that winning the Champions League is a completely, you know, un, unachievable thing. We, get, we came so close to it once before and then had a terrible, a terrible display in the final. But um, yeah, Conte's, Conte wants to be a winner. If he feels he can do that, if he feels he has a genuine chance of doing it at Tottenham, then he'll stay. And if he doesn't, he could he could still up sticks and leave. But we have to take so much heart from what we've seen over these last few weeks that he'll believe this is a project we made a really good start on. And we, yeah, we as, as Alex said, we're not going to go out and sign loads and loads of players and spend loads and loads of money. But we've we've signed three players: Romero, Bentancur, Kulusevski. Who have improved us? They've improved. That's all. That's what you can. That's all you can ask. You bring in players that improve you. And if we sign another two or three this summer, yes, I know that that money. I think still got to go out, hasn't it? Which in some ways is like, where does that come into it? Are they already counted as like summer signings? I don't know. But if we can sign another two or three who can again strengthen us, genuinely take us, help us reach that next level, then I think we're in a very good place heading into next season. Surely, though, Chris, Antonio Conte is the man 
to deliver us a trophy because trophies are way, way overdue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know what upset me almost most this season was losing to Middlesbrough. And what upset me most under yeah. uh, Mourinho was losing to Norwich on penalties in that yeah. last game before COVID. And to me, the FA Cup is eminently achievable for us. And, and I, it's a trophy which, to me, and I think our generation, it still means everything. I would, I've, I've been and seen us lose eight semi-finals in a row, and yep. I would just love to see us get to the final. I'd love to, and I, I was so gutted after that Middlesbrough game, yep. and I was gutted after the the League Cup semi. You know, both those games against Chelsea, because against to win the League Cup or to win the FA Cup would mean absolutely everything. I'd love to see us do it. Conte won the FA Cup with Chelsea. Yes, he's certainly not, certainly the man to deliver us a trophy. But look, we're really <laughs> winning the FA Cup and the League Cup is, is takes nothing as nothing nowhere near the amount of quality that it does to win the Premier League or the Champions League. Much as I would still love to see us do it, I would absolutely. I'm gutted that, full respect to Crystal Palace, I'm gutted they're in the semi final next week. I'm, I'm gutted that the club, you know, Wigan have won it since we were last even in a final. Stoke have been in a final. Um, it just breaks my heart that we haven't been back to, to the final since 1991. And yeah, I, I, I'm a Conte could. Conte's a man to win us a trophy, surely. Yeah, even if it's even if it's just a cup. To me, I'd, I'd say those cups mean everything still, and I'd love to see us win one again. And yeah, we, we've, we've, as I said earlier, you know, we've got a world class manager here now. And yes, the board have come in for a lot of stick, and there's a lot of things I've not been happy with as a fan that they have done. But they have appointed. Yes, let's hope it's not just for November to May. They have appointed a world-class manager here. Well, th this is exactly the question. This is going to be the last question to both of you. Um, Alex, let's come to you on this first. Um, Antonio Conte has only contracted at Spurs until the end of next season. Does that worry you as a Spurs fan? And do you expect Conte to sign a, an extended contract in this summer? And if it is this summer, when does it happen? Does it, it happen after the season finishes? Does it happen once he knows what signings he's got? When does it happen for you? Chris, the way I look at it right now, right, it's like Conte has, he's constructed, he's made this amazing cake, right? He's made it, but he's not eaten it yet. Why, why would he leave now? It just makes no sense. He spent months and months living this horrible Tottenham nightmare we've all had to endure, seeing us slip to... Disappointing defeat, seeing players not know what they're doing. Hold on. If, if we're talking about cakes, I, I take it that the cherry on the top is the trophy, is it? It certainly <laughs> is. And that's, and that's one we're all going to be enjoying next season. Um, but no, listen, there's no, I just don't see any, how any of it makes sense why he would leave now. He's done the hard part. He really has. He's turned the club from a bit of a shambles, let's be honest, when he took over into this ridiculous free firing machine that we are now. And we all know how close we can be now to being a really, really good team. I think he signs the contract, hopefully, in the summer, probably on the on the condition that there are players brought in. How long that contract is, I don't know. Maybe another year on top of one he's already got. I couldn't tell you. But I, I think he stays for at least two more years because I just believe that we'll have a really good season next year, hopefully. Whether that comes with a trophy, we'll wait and see. And... Um, Chris, to say that it's only your generation who, who care about the FA Cup, I assure you. I was born in 1992. I've not in my lifetime we haven't won an FA Cup with the history the Spurs have got of this competition. And I've been there. I've been there for the Portsmouth semi-final. I've been there for the Chelsea 5-1. I've 
you know, I've, I've, I've done that trudge out of Wembley Way, that dispiriting, horrible yeah. walk when you see all the away fans celebrating, and it's, it is horrible. Um, so I assure you that it's, it's not just, you know, fans of a certain generation who want to see Spurs win that trophy. It would mean the world to me. A League Cup, sure, but the FA Cup is the one that really, yeah. other than the, the Premier League and the Champions League, I would just absolutely buzz off seeing us win. And like you, I was pretty distraught after that Middlesbrough game, lower than I did against Burnley, I think. Um, but yeah, to see us win anything next season would be amazing. And I'm hoping that we get at least two more years of this brilliant football, this brilliant manager, this passion that he's instilled in the team. Um, and yeah, hopefully the future is bright. Yeah, Chris, same, same question to you. Yeah, I um, they're really good questions, Chris. Really good questions, and and again, I think what we have here, and I think it might be to our advantage, is someone who's kind of willing to play, you know, a bit of brinkmanship with with Levy as well. Um, and that feels like a scary thing, you know. As I say, two weeks ago, even if you'd have asked me, I wouldn't have felt anywhere near as confident as I am now that he he will stay. I'd have been very very fearful even two weeks ago, and I'm still not entirely sure. But, I mean, we, we always think, you know, there's, there's, these guys know exactly what they want. Well, they, they probably don't, you know. In some ways, they're still finding out exactly what each other are like, Levy and, and Conte. They're still, Conte still probably isn't quite sure what he is going to get from Levy, you know. Um, and it's, it's not a bad thing necessarily that Levy might feel there's a bit of a risk there, that he has to prove he's going to get Conte what he wants to get the players that he wants. You know, that that is not necessarily a bad thing. I again, I was fearful until you think about where where can Conte realistically go. Okay, it looks the only the only job in England which which you'd have to accept if you were a neutral is a is a bigger job is Manchester United. Well, it looks like they're going going for Ten Hag. You know, very much looks like they're going for Ten Hag. And also, although although they could, they'll pay him more and they've got the resources to build a team more quickly than we have, it feel it looks like a mess there, Man U. So. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like that's. It'd be a big step up in terms of salary, I'm sure, and as I say, in terms of resources to buy players. But it seems, seems like a very unsettled place. You can't can't see him going to Spain. You can't see him going to Germany. You go back to Italy. You're going to somewhere you've already been. You've won titles at Juve, and actually, Juve is like Real Madrid. You have a season without winning. It's over, right? He's he's won a title at Inter. He's already done it. To, he, he's well paid at Tottenham. He's at a very big club in England at Tottenham. If he was to win the Premier League at Tottenham, I mean that's that's just that's huge. That's bigger than anything he's achieved, right? That is big. That's the would be the biggest thing he's ever achieved. That would be one of the greatest success stories in Premier League history well, in English well, football. Chris, in the last couple of weeks, Conte said if we finish in the top four, it would be like winning the Champions League. That's 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 what he said. Yeah, well, yeah, and you know, and, and as a fan, sometimes I don't. That harks back a bit to, to Wenger saying fourth is worth a trophy, but but actually for for Tottenham, like to finish fourth, to come in in November where we were, yeah, you know, where we were, and and we're now sitting fourth with it in our own hands with what is it eight games to play? I, I don't know what's the count. Seven, seven left to play, right? That's that's incredible, right? And if we finish fourth, that is in less. He's not even been here for a full season. That's that's a phenomenal achievement. Um, but yeah, I, I still not. You know, I'd say seventy five percent now. I'm, I think he'll stay. Uh, as to when he signs the deal, that's a really good question. I don't even thought about that. But 
knowing Thomas, you know, knowing the way we act in the transfer market, it'll, blimey, it'll be like a day before the season starts or something horrible. Um, yeah, no, good, good shout. But, but from his point of view, do you think he will wait until he sees what signings and, and what activity yeah, yeah. we've done in the transfer yeah, market? That's why, great, that's why it's a great question. And that's why, given his comments so far, yes, I think he's going to keep He's going to keep us waiting. He's going to he's going to make sure Levy is going to be true to what he's going to deliver, right? And actually, you know, the cars are in Conte's hands. Levy can't afford this to go wrong, right? He can't afford this to go wrong. Where do we go? Where would we go from here? But the fear there is, you know, we leave every transfer window to the very last day. And, and again, maybe that is in our favour that we've got a manager here who's like, well, you can't, you can't leave it to the last day. We actually, because I, I haven't signed. And let's face it, if he doesn't sign this summer, he's 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 going this summer. Basically, he's not gonna, he's not gonna tick let let that deal click down. So that's a good thing. Maybe that is a good thing. It's a scary thing, but it's a good thing. Maybe we actually have to get our act together and actually bring players in before we've we've had three or four games of the season played. And you know that does my head in as a Tottenham fan every year. That we don't do business until the very last minute, and and you know, so I hope I, I really hope on the evidence of of what we've seen so far to let this slip through our fingers would be a travesty. Um, I'd love to see it done early. We know what we're planning for. We know where we're going. But from uh, from Tottenham history, I, I doubt it's going to be like that. <laughs> well. The, the final and very quick question uh, for both of you is where do you think that Spurs will finish at the end of this season in the Premier League? I'm going to go with fourth. And the other uh, part of the question is do you think Antonio Conte will lift a trophy uh, during his spell as Spurs boss? And I'm also going to say yes to that. Alex, let's start with you on that. I'd love to go a different answer to you, Chris. And there's part of me is thinking, oh, could we maybe even hunt down Chelsea? Am I getting a bit greedy here? They're chasing third, but... Obviously, their six 0 win today. I mean, I think I think they're going to be pretty pretty comfy in third. Um, I do genuinely think we'll finish fourth now, and I believe that we'll win a trophy under Conte. There you go, easy, fantastic. Chris, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I'm not an optimistic fan at all. I'm a pessimistic fan, and I, I feel scared even saying it. But look, on the on the evidence of what we're seeing, and when you look at the fixtures, we should we should finish fourth. And yeah, I'm scared saying it, but I think we will after today. I think we will. Um, and yes, if Conto stays, I think he does. He is the person to lead us to our first trophy since 2008. I'd have every confidence that he could at least win a cup and may, maybe, maybe, fingers crossed, even better. Well, what a wonderful, what a wonderful time to end the show with Chris and Alex saying that we're going to finish fourth and we're going to pick up a trophy under Antonio Conte. Absolutely love it. And I tell you what, Chris, I don't think there's, I don't think I've ever met anybody who mentions Pochettino more than me. <laughs> so I love the guy. I, mean, I, I don't, I don't understand how you can say we are overachieved under Pochettino. Absolutely overachieved. Um, yeah. And as I say, he gave me well, two or three amazing seasons and until this point of my life, and I'm sorry I included you in my generation earlier, Alex, because you're not in my generation. And it's great that the FA Cup does mean stuff to your generation. But until Pocha came along, yeah, until Pocha came along, 94, 95 was still my very favourite season. And yeah. he's, he's, he's given me two or three beyond that. Again, without winning a trophy. And, and that's, you know, trophy isn't everything. Yes, I want to see us aspire to it. And yes, I can't wait until we win something again. 
but it's not always about winning a trophy. And and what Poch did for three or four of those years was yeah it means means everything to me. And yeah, hopefully I might get around to writing a book about that one day as well. Yo, yeah, look forward to it. Look forward to it, Chris. Um, Chris, thanks so much for joining us uh, this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on this evening. Muted myself right at the end, but no, it's been great. Thanks for having us, Chris. And nice to meet you, Alex, and uh, and Gazza earlier as well. Shame he dropped off. <laughs> Don't know what happened there, but um, brilliant. Glad you got to see that performance today as well, Chris. And uh, yeah, safe trip back. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Chris. Been a pleasure. And Alex, thanks so much for coming back on. Been a pleasure talking to you and uh, the positivity. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up the Spurs. It's all gonna, it's all gonna work out all right. It always does in the end. And uh, yeah, safe trip home. And thanks so much to um, Gaz as well, of course, co-host of the same old Spurs podcast. Do check that out. So thanks for his time. And hopefully with these seven games to go now, Tottenham Hotspur can keep winning and keep getting uh, that top four spot and keep getting Champions League football. Uh, of course, what we're used to under Pochettino, as uh, as Chris has mentioned many, many times. Thanks for watching, everyone. Uh, really appreciate all of your support. If you don't subscribe to the channel as yet, please do hit that subscribe button and I will see you very, very soon. Until then, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. How does it work? You pick two to six players and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Didn't get your picks in before the game started? No problem. You can get in the game for the second half. Sign up today using promo code FOOTBALL and get your first deposit instantly matched up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com or download the mobile app and enter code FOOTBALL to get your deposit match. Some restrictions do apply. See the website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.